Man, it's good to be in the house tonight. Who's excited for Sunday? I, I, I Honestly, there's something about coming to the house of God that just gets me excited. And I feel like God's given me a word tonight. On Thursday, I was wrestling with this scripture and this verse. It just kept coming and it kept coming. This passage in the Bible. And I was like, man, God, I had something else in mind. He's like, no, I want you to preach this. I feel like this is right where we are. I feel like this is right where we're located. And who's enjoying the series Forget Not? When anyone enjoying the series, forget not, it's been so good, just launched. And it's really based out of the scripture in Psalm 103 that says this. It says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your sins. And this is the thing I want to land on tonight and heals your diseases. Who forgives your sins and heals your diseases. Do you realize we serve a healer? Come on, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And that healing isn't always physical. Sometimes it's spiritual, it's mental, it's internal. But God came here tonight to set some people free. That God came here tonight to heal people because that's who we serve. We serve a healer. And there's a passage in the Bible where Jesus heals somebody and it's so powerful. And I've often read this passage and kind of skipped through it just as another miracle of Jesus. And so many miracles in the Scriptures that it gets to this point where it's like, wow, that's a great miracle and that's a great miracle. And We kind of get used to the miracles. Can I say, it's very easy to get used to the miracles of Jesus. Even as long-term believers, it's very easy to get used to what God's doing. To get used to what's in front of us. But can I say, we should never get used to what God's doing. It's supernatural. And in this scripture, and I want to read it out of Luke chapter 13, verse 10. It simply says, it's on a Sabbath. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman who was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years and she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant, upset, angry, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work. Come and be healed on those days, not the Sabbath. The Lord answered, you hypocrite. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it to water to drink? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who has been bound by Satan for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? And when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with the wonderful thing that Jesus was doing. Can I say it's something to be said for the miracles that Jesus does. The people were delighted. And I wanna look first at the crippled. I wanna look first at the crippled tonight. Because for anyone that knows the Bible, Luke, who wrote this chapter, he's the author of this text. Luke is a physician, he's a doctor. He is pro-doctors, he's pro-medicine. He is pro-surgery. Can I say, that's a good thing. We are pro-medicine, pro-doctors. In fact, I believe that doctors can sometimes be the living hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. That they are skilled, they are equipped, they are blessed, that they are gifted in a special way to bring life and restoration. I love doctors and I love medicine, but can I also say this? There are some illnesses that aren't physical, they're spiritual. And in our text, the thing that I miss so often is I saw, oh yeah, crippled woman was made straight, praise God. But listen to what the text actually says. It says in Luke 13, verse 11, and a woman who was there had been crippled by what? By a spirit. 
for 18 years. And she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And I thought, that's so powerful. Can I say that it is possible to be in the house of God, but still crippled by a spirit? Here she was for 18 years. And in fact, the scripture goes on to say that when Jesus healed her, later on he says, shouldn't this daughter of Abraham? And scholars would have us believe, theologians would have us believe that this was not an unbeliever. This was a woman of faith. This was someone who had been called, someone that was serving faithfully, a woman who believed in Yahweh, a Jewish woman. In fact, this wasn't a Gentile. This was someone faithfully going to the temple on Sunday because that's what she did. But she had been going to church for 18 years, yet crippled by a spirit, unable to walk freely. Who remembers when you first got saved? Come on, do you remember when you first met Jesus and it was like the weight lifted off your shoulders and you began to walk freely? How many know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when we get touched and when we get healed, there's a freedom to our walk. And I don't know how long this woman was bound, but for 18 years, something had hindered her and frustrated her. And the text says that she's bent over and unable to walk straight. Can I say there are spirits that look to get on us, that look to cripple our walk so that we can no longer walk straight. Think about it. Spirit of fear. How many know fear can be crippling? And fear manifests itself in our inability to take steps of faith to step out and believe God. So fear prevents us from moving forward and it cripples our walk. A spirit of heaviness, depression, weariness. These are spirits, the Bible says. And they get on our walk and suddenly where we were once walking free, where we were once walking with joy, now we're heavy and we're weighed down and we're unable to walk properly. Spirits of anxiety, spirits of depression. For some of us, and this was me on the way to church this morning, spirits of anger. Come on, let's be real for a minute. I was driving to West, I was preaching out North and there's these markets out West and I'm telling you, it was chaos. And I turned up to church at five to 10 and I was angry. How many know traffic will do that to you and the spirit of anger comes out? But anger's manifested so oftentimes in the frustrations of life that sometimes we begin to get angry and we verbalize and we're sharp and we realize, oh, there's something in there. Anyone ever said something and went, oh, there's something in there. The real me comes out for just a minute. When I'm not in my Sunday best, when something just comes out and I'm like, oh, little spirit of anger there, son. Sometimes it's a spirit of lust and it's revealed in the way that we navigate our relationships and we live out our purity and our convictions. Sometimes a spirit of confusion that just comes against us and we're unable to see clearly. We can't find direction. Can I say God is not the author of confusion? He's the author of clarity. So if you're confused, you need a touch from Jesus. That spirit of confusion can go. And the list can go on. We can name spirit after spirit. But I'm not here to glorify the devil. I'm here to glorify God. And can I say this? We have a God that is greater than any spirit, a Jesus that can cast out any spirit. In fact, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, the Lord is the spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And what I love about Jesus is what I call the great exchange. God loves to take what you're carrying and give you something fresh. Now think about this, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He names it. 
But then he says what? But instead of power and of love and of a sound mind. In other words, you don't have to carry fear. You can have power. You can have clarity. You can have a sound mind. 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the author of confusion, but of what? Of peace. In other words, if you're carrying confusion tonight, you can walk out carrying peace. Isaiah 61, 3, one of my favorite exchanges. He gives them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I love that he gives joy for mourning. You know, the scripture says that the strength of, the joy of the Lord is our strength. How many believe that? How many believe the joy of the Lord is my strength? But it leads us to something. Because if the joy of the Lord is our strength, then the absence of joy is our weakness. When you see that beginning to play out in your life, when you realize I'm walking without joy, I've lost that joy. Can I say that is weakness? Because why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is joy, it's strength. And God wants to give some people tonight some joy instead of mourning, some strength instead of weakness. Ephesians 1.17, that the glorious Father may give you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Again, he names these things. He says what you're carrying is spiritual, it's not physical. And oftentimes, some of the things that you're wrestling with, we forget sometimes we're in a spiritual battle too. That not everything is flesh and blood, not everything is just natural. Sometimes there's a demonic opposition to the goodness and the things that God wants to do in your life and it's seeking to rob you and it's seeking to destroy. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that you may have life and life more abundantly. This is the great exchange. What I love about Jesus is we really see Christ's compassion in this text. He has compassion when he sees her condition and Can I say this? Christ cares about your condition. He really does. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about what you're carrying. He sees it and he cares. And he doesn't come to condemn you, son, daughter. He doesn't come to condemn. The Bible says he didn't come to condemn the world, but to seek and save the world. We're already condemned, but we found freedom in Jesus. And in that freedom, he comes to seek and save and heal and restore. This is the goodness of Jesus. This is the great exchange. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I want to look secondly past the obvious cripple. And I actually want to talk about the real cripple in this text. The real cripple. See, there was another cripple in this text that I missed the first time. And it wasn't the one who was bent over in pain. It was the one who was stuck up in pride. And oftentimes we automatically look at weakness here, but can I say it's really possible. God forbid it was, it was leadership, it was religious, it was us as long-term saints being around the things of God. He was stuck up in pride. And listen to verse 13. In our text it says, then he put his hands on her immediately. She straightened up and praised God. The healing's there. Indignant, angry that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work. Come and be healed on those days, not the Sabbath. Talk about missing the miracle. Talk about missing the point. She's just walked into the house of God. Another day, 18 years, another day in the house of God. And he completely misses the miracle. And all he can see is the rules. This is the way we do things. This is how we operate. This is how God operates. Think about this. Can I say it's really possible as long-term believers 
that we start getting critical spirits. And we begin to miss the thing that God's trying to do. How many know as leaders and as long-term saints, we're called to have critical minds, not critical spirits? And it's so easy to start getting critical about church, isn't it? He's so focused on the rules. This is how we do things. This is what we do. This is how we operate. And he misses it. He had a love for the law without a love for the lost. And I began to think about something. It is so possible to be so in love with the law that you miss the heart behind the law. Think about this. Jesus was the law. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. And God came down in flesh and lived out the law in our presence. Jesus himself operating in the fullness of God. This was the law. This was the heart behind the law. And he's an expert in the very thing that he's missing. That stood out to me. Because I was like, it is possible to know God's word but not know God's heart. It is possible to know so much about Jesus but completely miss his heart. And this man was an expert and he totally misses the miracle. And think about it. Jesus calls his hypocrisy out and he says, hey, listen, wouldn't you even untie your animals to go get water on the Sabbath? Yet this woman who's been bound for 18 years, you're critical. I say the most dangerous spirit that we can ever possess is a spirit of pride. Spirit of pride will keep you from entering into all that God has for your life. A spirit of pride will quickly block out everything God's trying to do in your life. It opposes the very heart of God. And I'll sometimes meet some Christians and I'm gonna go there for a minute. I've been saved for a long time. I've been in church for a long time. I grew up in church. I was raised in church. I've been around church. And it is very easy, let me be honest. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me tonight. It is very easy to start to develop a critical approach to church. Why? Because we're here so much. We're around the same people and familiarity, the Bible says, breeds contempt. That sometimes we can be around the very things and begin to lose the heart behind them. And I'll meet some Christians. Man, the music was too loud today. (laughs) Or for some, the music was too soft. Man, that message was too long. A little bit heavy for a Sunday night. Or it was too short. We need more music. Why is it always dance music? Bring back rock and roll. For some, oh, the coffee was cold this morning. Of all things to talk about this morning, the coffee was cold. Or maybe for some it was too hot. We need more lights in here. Or for some, oh, we need less lights, man. Too many young people, not enough young people, not enough seats, too many seats. Think about it. We've always got something to say. And it's very easy as we go along to develop something internally in our spirit, in our heart, where we begin to be a little bit analytical about the presence of Jesus, analytical about what God's doing. We measure it, like Banning said, in numbers and order. We measure it in structures and programs, but we forget the human touch of Jesus. We miss the miracle of Jesus. Sometimes I walk out and someone's like, man, I really didn't like that song that they played third tonight. I'm like, did you miss the alcoholic that was at the front crying because she finally got set free? Did you miss the woman at the back that raised her hand and gave her life to Jesus for the first time? You're thinking about the song? Did you see the girl on the worship team who was pitchy as, but it was her first ever time singing? 
and a destiny was unlocked. And sometimes we walk out thinking about everything but what Jesus was doing. And we miss the miracle. I say we've got to be so careful. Honestly, I, I genuinely pray this every week. I'm like, God, keep my heart soft. Help me from being indifferent and cold and familiar. Help me from being critical and judgmental and analytical. Let me not ever try and contain your presence. Let me not ever put a box around what you want to do. Let me not ever get stuck in my ways that I can't see Jesus in front of me. Think about this guy, man. He even called the healing of Jesus work. Jesus heals this woman and says, hey, there's six days for work. Come on those days. Can I say there was nothing about work in this miracle? Sometimes we get this mindset that Jesus works on visiting hours. It's a visitation relationship. Kate, Jesus comes on the six days. Don't come on the seventh. Can I say we can be a little bit like that? Hey, come to church on Sunday. You got a chance to hear the word, feel the worship and maybe get healed. 10 o'clock on a Sunday, 5 o'clock Sunday night. Can I say Jesus will heal anywhere, anytime, with anyone, using anyone? But oftentimes we limit God to visiting hours and we need to move from a visitation relationship to a revelation relationship that understands it's not just about visiting. God is here all the time. Why? Because you are the church. You carry the Holy Spirit. You carry the power of God. You carry a spirit of evangelism. You carry a spirit of prophecy. It's given to you. It's in our spirit. And it's so easy to start calling the things of God work. And I say it's not just works, it's wonders. God says, don't call common. Or don't, what I've called. Don't, don't dismiss. That's no small thing. Think about this. If I had someone in my church who for 18 years couldn't walk and she got radically healed, I wouldn't be upset about what day it was. Come on. He's missed it completely. And I love Jesus' response to his attitude because he says, shouldn't this woman who've, Son of Abraham calls her, puts dignity on her. So shouldn't she be free from what's held her in bondage? And verse 17 points out something incredibly specific. And I love the use of this word. It says, when he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated. But the common people were delighted with the wonderful things that he was doing. And I realized, you know what he was calling out? He was calling out pride. Because the Bible says in James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but brings grace to the humble. How many know you don't want to be an opponent of God? Now, I got enough things working against me. The word oppose means to actively work against. To actively, not just to passively, to actively oppose. I got a lot of things working against me in life. Weight, hairline. How many know you get old and you realize finance? Things begin to work against us. We're already fighting enough battles. You know what battle I don't need? I don't need God working against me too. I've got enough things in life to deal with. But how many know when a spirit of pride gets in the way, we begin to oppose what God is trying to do? 
And sometimes that critical spirit can just so easily get on us. And again, I'm not calling anyone out. I'm preaching to me. Because it's so easy. Walk in, ooh, worship was a bit cold tonight. How am I going to preach after that? Oh, I didn't really see many people here early. Where's the prayer warriors? Right? Hey, people weren't too friendly. How about you come early and be the friendly change? Right, but so many times we, it's so easy to get on us. I say it's so important that we keep our heart right, that we guard our heart, that we check our spirit, that as heart week approaches, we make sure we're not carrying weak hearts. Come on, let's be honest. It's a heart issue oftentimes, isn't it? I say it matters to God. It matters to God because it's not just work, it's wonders. So I want to look lastly at the house of healing. Who believes we're in the house of healing tonight? Come on, anyone believe we're in a house of healing? See, a religious institution left this woman bound for 18 years, but one encounter with Jesus left her walking straight and walking free. Can I just say this? The house of God without the presence of Jesus is just another club. We come here for the presence of Jesus. A house of God without the presence of Jesus isn't the house of God at all. It's just another social club with members and payments and fines and who knows what. It's just another rule set club. That's not who we are. We're the house of God with compassion and hope and healing. This is who we are as God's people. This is a house of healing for so many. See, oftentimes people walk in and we, it's natural, right? We judge them by their appearance or we judge them by the way they walk in. I began to think it's so easy for me this far down the track to forget who I was when I came to Jesus. To forget the condition I was in when I walked into the house of God. How many know we're very quick to forget who we were? We're going to judge. We're gonna, I say this is a house of healing. And someone here tonight, you may have overlooked them, but God sees them. That's his concern. It's a house of healing. I say in the spirit of this series, forget not the spirit of this house. Forget not the heart of this house. Forget not the compassion of Christ. Forget not the benefits of Jesus who forgives our sins, who heals our sicknesses. Let's not get familiar with the presence. We see four things that Jesus does as I come to a close. Four things that Jesus modeled that we must follow. And can I say this? If we put these four things into practice, we will, un, we will open up doors of the supernatural like never before. We'll start to see miracles like never before. We'll open up the floodgates of heaven and He'll pour out so much revival that we can't hold it in. If we would simply do what Jesus does. And in our text, Luke chapter 10, verse 12, everything's in this text. This is one of my favorite texts, man. Literally the whole Bible almost, except for the cross, is in this text. The whole spirit, the whole message. Luke chapter 13, verse 12 says, When Jesus saw her, He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And He put His hands on her. And immediately, say immediately, immediately she straightened up and began to praise God. First thing we see Jesus do is He sees her. He notices the need. Can I say so often we'll walk into church and walk right past the need. 
And sometimes that need is inconvenient, and we know it. That's why we avoid it, let's be honest. That guy's going to need a lift to take a puna. Jesus sees the need. He doesn't run from it. In fact, he stops what he's doing. He sees her. Can I say God notices your need? God sees your issue tonight. He sees everything. Can I say as long-term believers, we lose the heart of God when it becomes about us. We gain the miracles of God when it becomes about what God looks for. How do we see how Jesus sees? We live close to Him. How do you know you become like those you hang around? If you're always around negative people, your outlook's negative, right? If you're always around positive people, your outlook's generally positive. If you're always believing in faith and around miracles, you begin to believe for miracles. But if you're always around nothing and stagnant and religious mindsets, you become critical. It's what you're around. Let me say this. When you're around Jesus, it's impossible to not see what He sees, to hear what He hears, to feel what He feels. Why? You need intimacy. You need intimacy with Jesus. It's very hard to walk with Jesus and not see what He sees. The disciples walked with Him for three years. And it was life-changing. They went on to do what? Do the same. Pray for the sick. See the man in the crowd. Lay hands on the blind beggars that people were walking past. Acts 3. The miracles, the miracles, the miracles. They saw how Jesus saw. Can we see how Jesus sees tonight? Come on. Can we do a heart check and go, am I looking for a miracle tonight? Did I walk in trying to find someone to touch, to reach out to? He sees her. Second thing he does is he calls her forward. I love this because God will never ask you to take a step backwards. He's always bringing us forward. He brings us to a future and a hope, the Bible says. He's always thinking forward. As we fast, can I say, let's fast forward. Let's begin to think forward. I'm fasting for what's coming. I'm fasting for what's ahead. I'm believing for miracles. I want to see what He sees. I'm going to serve in heart week and I want to see the power of God. We're going to fast forward into all that God has. Third thing He does is He speaks life and healing over her. As He calls her out. Speaks life. Says, woman, you are set free. You know, sometimes people just need a word of faith over their life. A declaration of healing. You know, sometimes we need someone that will come in, put their hands on our shoulders, say, it's gonna be all right, I'm with you. Things are gonna change. God's got this. He's with you. He's for you. He's gonna fight for you. And we begin to get around and speak life over people. You wanna see the miracle touch of God? Notice people. You wanna see the powerful touch of God? Call them forward into all that God has. You wanna feel His presence overwhelm you and see some miracles? How about you begin speaking life? And then lastly, the Bible says He lays hands on her. Now, if you know anything about Scripture in those days, this was taboo. You'd never touch a woman that wasn't your wife, let alone a cripple. They were cursed. Yet Jesus breaks stereotypes, breaks molds, doesn't care what people thought. He knew what this woman needed and what this woman needed was a touch of God. I say there's something to be said for the humanity and the compassion of Jesus that we need in our life. When's the last time you walked up and just touched someone's shoulder and said, you're gonna make it. 
I got you. Let me speak some life over you. That embrace, that hug, that arm around the shoulder. I thank God for people that walked through life with me. Put an arm around my shoulder and said, you got this. Spoke life over my situation and believed in me. When I was so far from God, when I was so lost, they believed and they cared. I said, can we have that heart in the house? Can we stop making this about us? Can we look for people to that? Can we look for miracles? Spiritual sight, can you say amen? See, when I read this first text, I identified myself as the, as the first cripple. I, I always thought, oh man, God is the one that raised me to life and healed me. And then as I get further down the road in my salvation, I realize actually, really easy for me to become the other cripple. Why? Because I've got a crippled perspective, a crippled view. And I've missed the heart of what God wants to do. And tonight, whatever one you are, in whatever stage or walk you're walking through right now, can I say God came to set you free. There's healing in the house. There's miracles in the house. And it's done by the touch of Jesus.